It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. Well, hello there, Bengals fans. Welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today, a little bit of news around the AFC North, and then we'll talk about what the Bengals can do for the rest of free agency, for the rest of the offseason, to right the boat and be competitive in 2019. A lot of you, maybe not a lot of you, some of you feel like this podcast has been overly harsh, maybe, on the Bobby Hart signing and the Preston Brown signing. No. And here's the thing, guys. We're going to be realistic, right? If the Bengals make a good move, we will tout it as a good move. If the Bengals make a bad move, we're going to talk about it analytically and tell you why we think it's a bad move. It's not that we're being negative. It's that the Bengals are doing things that we don't agree with right now. We think aren't optimal, efficient ways to spend their money. They're, they're bringing back players that are poor to average at certain positions, like we were, we were happy about the CJ Uzama signing, right? But it was just yep. immediately overshadowed by these, but well, by specifically the Bobby Hart contract, I think, because this is telling us, and we've talked about this, we're not going to get into it today. $7 million annual average value at its peak, if he hits all of his, uh, all of his incentives is starting right tackle money, which means they are not addressing this position outside of Bobby Hart in the immediate future. They might still draft a tackle, but this doesn't open up the draft in the way we would want the draft to be opened up because this means that you're still running out a guy that has a poor track record and needs to take a momentous leap to be a productive right tackle for the Bengals. So without anything further on Bobby Hart or negativity, that's why we're talking about it the way we're talking about it, right? We're going to we're gonna have praise when there are good moves, and we're hoping there are good moves, and we'll talk about some of those that, that might earn some praise in the second half of the episode. And the best way to put it is we both thought, and a lot of people thought, that C.J. Ozama was a good move, okay? It gives them at least a starter, if not um, a good rotational tight end, because when you rank him, he's in the 15 to 20 range for where tight ends are going to be paid. Um, so... That's that's quality. That's what you want. That's a good move by them. The Preston Brown signing is an okay move, okay, because we like Preston Brown for what he does. They paid him a little bit more than what he typically does, and he probably has an incentive deal much very similar to Hart. I hope it's not an active game deal. I hope it's a snaps kind of thing for him because you don't want him out there every snap. So that's okay. It could have been spent better, but They've done worse plenty of times, obviously. And then bad is Bobby Hart. It's bad any way you slice it. 
I don't even if the money is oh guys the money is better than we expected look he's got to play every game in order to make that much it it doesn't matter the fact that they're interested at all is what sucks about it you don't go shopping on a budget and spend all your money on on beer and then and then oh we're hungry yeah well you spend all your money on beer so you you know that that's the logic there it, it, they shouldn't have done it at all it should never have happened so that's why that's a bad deal so you know, if they want, if people want us to be honest, they've made one bad deal, one okay deal that's not going to move the needle, and one deal that I'm happy they made. Yeah. So it's not like we're all negative. It's just the the bad deal is so it just overshadows the rest, and it impacts more of the right. team than any of the other two deals do. Right, because we were focused on tackle. Many people were focused on tackle for the draft and maybe the opportunity to upgrade in free agency and how it affects Andy Dalton in the entire passing game and their best offensive weapon right now, Joe Mixon. So the reverberations from signing him and really saying he's your starting right tackle by how much you're paying him. You may draft an offensive lineman at 11, but he's going to play guard or not play at all like they did with Cedric Oboye. Point being... uh, linebacker and tight end, you can still draft those positions at number 11 and still play them for a lot of snaps as a rookie. That is not the case. You don't rotate right tackles in the NFL. So um, that's why that signing is even worse and why it got so much more attention. Right. And, and if it was another one-year, $1 million deal, then even, I don't Even I don't if it care. was $3 million, $4 million, $5 million one year, I wouldn't care. Yeah. Anyway. We're not going to talk about Bobby Hart as much as we possibly can the rest of the podcast, the rest of the week. Maybe maybe in your mailbag, somebody will have a question. You'll make us talk about him again. We might skip it. Maybe not. Uh, I don't really want to talk about Bobby Hart right now. So let's look around the AFC North. Starting with the Ravens. The Ravens made a couple moves today, signing Earl Thomas to a four-year $55 million deal at a 137 Five million dollar annual average value. Earl Thomas last night had been rumored to be interested in going to the Browns earlier this morning. They reported that deal is off and he ends up in the AFC North instead. For the Ravens, this is maybe a slight upgrade on Eric Weddle, who is already very good. It solidifies the position for them. It doesn't move the needle for me. The Ravens also signed Mark Ingram to a three-year, $15 million deal with a $5 million annual average value. Solidifies the backfield for them, gives them another rotational piece. They're going to want to run the ball a lot. Makes sense. Again, doesn't yep. move the needle much for me. Joe, It's an upgrade any... for them, but okay. it's it's a running back, so what does it really matter, right? I mean, and he's how a much of an upgrade back, is so it, though? Well, because you can get and what are they? Uh, you know, they're getting undrafted guys that were running and and playing well and free and waiver wire guys that were running well for the last few years for them. But they haven't had stability or health at that position for a long time. Mark Ingram can at least provide that, so it's an upgrade in ways. Uh, but it, again, it's a running back, and being a veteran, he can fall off a cliff at any time at that position. So it it doesn't move the needle in terms of oh now they're really good it just is a solid addition to yeah. some to, to a position where they had a lot of uncertainty for a long well, time. I mean here here's a stat for you though. Once Lamar Jackson took over, this is Graham Barfield on Twitter. Once Lamar Jackson took over as Ravens starter in Week 11, they started running the ball 64 percent of the time, and in that range in that range from Week 11 on, Baltimore running backs were second in carries per game at 24 and a, 25 carries per game and first in yards per carry at 
Yeah, and Ingram's a career 4.5 guy. I would expect that to go up. There's a chance he has a career year. I think that's a really strong chance he has a career year. He's never been in an offense like this. This is like as close as to his Alabama power running offense he's out, he's going to be in since he left Alabama. It, I wouldn't be surprised if he had a tremendous year. Yeah, but again, for me, like the Ravens are already going to be a successful running team. It's another... For me, it's another rotational piece. It's another. It's a. It's their bell cow most likely, but they really liked Alex Collins, right? So, I mean, I think this is a power piece that they didn't necessarily have, and it's a valuable piece for them. But it doesn't move the needle much for me. Neither of these signings no. really do. I think the Earl Thomas signing. He's a great player, but they are. They've had good free safety, so it's the same. You know, it's the same in the secondary. Maybe a little bit better. Yeah, that's the thing too, right? They've going from Eric Weddle to. Earl Thomas is okay. I mean, they're both really good. It's not yeah, going to make great. It's not going to make the Bengals have to play them much differently. I mean, Earl, Th- Earl Thomas is probably going to be into the Hall of Fame if he, you know, finishes out his career on a high note. Um, so maybe there's a slight upgrade, but really it, an indifference amount of upgrade there. Yeah. So moving on to the Steelers, they signed a slot corner, Steven Nelson from the Chiefs to a three-year, $25.5 million deal. That's an $8.5 million annual average value. This is another reference point for the Darquez Denard discussions, I'm sure, and some of the other slot corners that we'll talk about in the second half of the show. The Steelers needed a slot corner. Steve Nelson is probably slightly above average there. This is paying for slightly above average slot corner. They're paying for him to start for them. I don't know. I mean, they struggled at corner. I, I, I would I would think this is a good signing. Uh, I, I think, if anything, it's, it gives us an idea of Darquez Denard's value. Uh, Nelson was signed first before him, obviously, but... At eight and a half per year, I think that would be on the high end. I think when we talked about Denard, I can't remember what number we we uh, ended on, but uh, I would prefer if he was uh, under that for sure. But it at least gives us an idea. Yeah, six to eight is the number we were talking about for Denard. Uh, this suggests maybe seven to nine is a more realistic range. But there are still a lot of slot corners on the market. We'll talk about yep. some of them in the second half of the show. Uh, We talked a lot about the Browns on yesterday's podcast, and this is, in fact, a Cincinnati Bengals podcast, so we won't spend much time on them today. However, they are looking at Eric Berry now to replace Jabril Peppers, as Earl Thomas has gone to a different AFC North opponent. Also, of note... I I would like that (laughs) if they got Eric Berry. I think Eric Berry is a liability at this point. Well, there you go. There's some positivity for you, Bengals fans. Also, of note... Just a fun little note, Sashi is trending in Cleveland as Browns fans maybe are recognizing what a fantastic job was left for John Dorsey by Sashi Browns maneuvering during his time as general manager in Cleveland. One Bengals note in the news today is that Zach Taylor is part of the Bengals contingent at the Oklahoma Pro Day. Somebody just put into my mentions a picture of Zach Taylor. Oh my God. Oh, look at that look on his face, man. Look at that. He's Myron. If we're using that, that obviously are listening, you can't see this picture. Zach Taylor, is, he's kind of standing cockeyed with like one eye closed, almost one eye open, just like a side grin, just oogling Kyler Murray at the pro day. Yeah. So that's Am I reading too much into that, or does he look like he's, he likes that? <laughs> I mean, you're probably reading a little too much into it. He looks like think, John Gruden. I think he's also pretty into it. Or somebody just told a funny joke. 
Yeah, that's it. Or he's holding a fart. <laughs> uh, so, Zach Taylor down at Oklahoma watching Cody Ford, watching Kyler Murray, maybe watching Marquise Brown, maybe watching... Who's the other tackle down there who fell off this year? Bobby Evans. Bobby Evans. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Uh, So, without further ado, Joe, let's talk about how the Bengals can salvage this offseason. Yeah. we're we're getting a lot of you know the Bengals just need a few moves they need Devin White they need to be healthy they need to keep Tyler Eifert they need a slot corner they they have holes at right guard so who are the guys out there that we could look at and say you know what the Colts got a bunch of guys late in free agency last year and they came out looking great Marcus Hart the number one example for Bengals fans had a career year Hunt yes you said hard on accident. Yes. Sorry. Oh, man. Trying to not talk about Bobby Hart. Can't stop. <laughs> uh, so, you've got some lists. Who yeah. are the guys that would make you say, yes, this is a great signing? Well, and it's more than that, too, because I think I um, I started to think about this today because, as somebody said, uh, okay, we've dwelled on the bad mistakes they've had, they've made in free agency. Now, how do they go ahead and win? You know, and I think this is... This has been my mindset with the Bengals for a long time now. It's They continue to make bad decisions, and sometimes it's easy to recognize on the spot when they do it. Other times, not so hard or not so easy. Uh, so when they do it, you say, ah, this sucks. You know, that's just they shouldn't have done this or they should have went after this guy or they should have drafted this guy instead. Okay, now here's the situation. For me, that's why, and I try to tell this to my kids all the time. You're going to be faced with different obstacles or adversity in life, or or your job, or whatever you're doing, and it's how do you overcome it? You don't cry about that 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 move or that situation, or that obstacle in front of you. You got to defeat it now. You got to overcome it. And for the Bengals, that's hard because they have one hand behind their back. But still, that is my perspective on it. And now that I've am a day, uh, two days at this point removed from the Bengals re-signing Bobby Hart and, and you know, keeping Preston Brown. Uh, I'm now, okay, so how do we salvage not only this season, but let's start with free agency and then the draft, of course. We'll get to the draft in another podcast and, you know, probably really dive into it during Friday's mailbag and mock draft Monday. But free agency, there's still a lot of opportunity. Sure, they didn't draft somebody in the first round in this scenario, but they still have the next six rounds to go and I'm using the draft to to equate that to free agency because that's really what the first two days are probably the first round you're going to spend a lot for a lot of unknowns uh but that's the chance to hit but that doesn't mean you can't hit on these later guys the guys in week two week three week four of free agency and I was going back and I went to spotrack.com and they had uh, a list of all of what every team did last year and they evaluated it based on value for the free agents they signed and the Colts were the number one team in terms of value. And the Colts really didn't break the bank. I, when we went over positional review at tight end, uh, 
Uh, Eric Ebron was one of the well, the best values, and that was their big free agent signing last year. And yeah, he had a tremendous year, but he was signed four days into the season or into the league year, so he wasn't a right off the bat guy. Actually, their first signing was Danico Autry, who was a defensive interior guy for the Raiders. That really would flown under. If you you probably don't know who he is right now, if you're listen, listening to this, and he was a solid player for them last year. Basically, they added a lot of mid pieces and maybe even low end guys to one year deals. They they scoured the waiver wire, claimed a bunch of people. I was just on their um transaction list and they were just claiming people and then cutting them uh, a couple months later if they weren't the right guy. And I you know I appreciate that because that's scouring the waiver wire to see if there's anyone that can help you. You were a bad team. And then of course the Colts knock out their draft. And we talked about this. I don't think we were on on air when we talked about this, Jake, but Drafting a Quentin Nelson, obviously plug and play all pro type. Drafting the linebacker in the second round. Darius Leonard, Joe. Darius Leonard. I can't do it. I'm I think of his teammate at South Carolina Write every time. Write it down. Write it on your hand. And Look just at it post every it night. somewhere. Every night when you go to bed, look at your hand, Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard, all pro player, second round linebacker. Like imagine if the Bengals added this year. Now there's I don't think there's a Quentin Nelson in this draft, but they could draft a tackle and move him to guard. If the Bengals got Quentin Nelson, Darius Leonard, and then a Braden Smith in the third round who was a guard at Iowa that they moved to tackle and got good play out of, uh I mean that would be we would feel much different about the Bengals prospects going into 2019 if they had a draft like the Colts did and if they were able to find some low-end um, free agents the way the Colts did so there's still also if Andrew Luck was the quarterback yes obviously it, but we're not gonna that's that's not for today <laughs> we'll see what happens when the when the Dolphins release Ryan Tannehill and see if the Bengals bite anyways um so I started writing down some names and this is kind of out of order because I, w- I was going through and just thinking Okay, who would I be interested in? And, of course, I have Tyler Eifert and Darquez Denard on there because getting those guys back, even though that may come at an increase of pay, and it doesn't have to, actually, but getting those guys back would help fill tight end and nickel corner so you don't have to attack those positions in the draft. You can let them fall to you, which would be the situation Jake and I agree you want the Bengals to be in. After that, though, I wrote down, say they don't get Darquez Denard. I've got three other corners that I'd be very interested in that could either present possible upgrades like Bryce Callahan could, but I also have Brian Body Calhoun who played for the Browns the last couple of years. He's played safety and corner. He's been they didn't tender him. He was supposed to be restricted. They didn't even offer him a tender, and that gives me pause. But honestly, when I watched him, I thought he was decent enough to uh, play and at least see what he can do for you. And then the other guy I wrote down is Jason Barrett, and he has never stayed healthy. He had one year where I think he played uh, half the season, but the other three years has just been cut short. He's been the un- most unlucky person mm-hmm. in football, probably in co- at corner. And it's funny to think of that that draft class because I love Verrett much more than I liked uh, Darquez Denard. But if you look at Verrett's career stats, he give he's given up 56% of the targets in his area to be completed, which is tremendous. I mean, he's got seven he's allowed seven touchdowns, has five interceptions, a quarterback rating in his direction of 84, which is way below uh the league average. Barrett's been really good when healthy. He's going to get a one-year deal somewhere just to see if he's healthy. I'd be interested in Barrett even if they did sign Darquez Denard. Uh but moving on in in although they signed Preston Brown, the Redskins are going to release Zach Brown who I think we may have touched on briefly, but he was in the number three inside linebacker for pro football focus, just behind Keekley and Bobby Wagner. So 
Zach Brown has had some production in this league, and he's he's been really good, but he's kind of a knucklehead. That's why he would be going to his fourth team now, but I'd still be interested in him. I wrote down also Max Williams, who was a Ravens guard, I mean Ravens tight end. Uh, he was known as a receiving guy, got injured. Again, here's a guy who got injured a lot, but you take a one-year deal on him, see if he can stay healthy, see if it hits. Uh, and he graded well for the first time in his career for the for Pro Football Focus last year. So I would take Max Williams and see what he can do. I also wrote Jeff Hewerman, who was a tight end from the Broncos. Similar situation, was injured as rookie year. He's actually the one tight end that went above Tyler Croft in that draft. So uh, he could fill in as a wide tight end, definitely. I wrote a couple guards down that may not be well known to, for a lot of people, but could present upgrades to what they have in Alex Redman. The first because being quick, it doesn't take much. Because it doesn't take much. So, yeah, you're going to spend a little more on these guys. But uh, I, as we longer we get into free agency, maybe not. Maybe we're talking 3 to $4 million a year. Uh, A.J. Can just signed with the Jags for $5 million a year, and he's not very good. So maybe these guys get more than that. Anyways, it's John Miller, who was a third-round pick for the Buffalo Bills, uh, and Quentin Spain, who played for the Titans the last four years. Both guys are better pass protectors than run blockers, but yet they're – They've been decent in, in, in run blocking, too. I, really, their pass protection is where they look good, giving up, especially like John Miller, giving up about 30 pressures and one to four sacks a year. That's basically where Clint Bowling normally is, which Clint Bowling is considered like a top 15 pass protecting guard. So these guys are in that range and would help out pass protection immensely just by plugging them into right guard. Uh, I wrote down a couple other names that interest me. Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Boston College linebacker. He's been all around now, Seattle, and I want to say oh, – I can't remember who he went to after that. But anyways, he was an athlete and special teams type guy, depth guy. I'd be interested in him to see what he has left. Kerry Hyder was a Lions defensive interior pass rusher, and Bengals have a need there of a defensive end that can kick inside a nickel. Hyder could present that and offer some upside. And then, of course, there's still one really good player left on the on the board, and that's K.J. Wright at linebacker. And, yeah, he's 29 years old, but he's graded well almost every year. He's been, he's been good in coverage. He could be a Sam linebacker to your uh, middle linebacker being uh, Preston Brown, and you can still draft a weak side guy that's an athlete. I think that would make a lot of sense also. And K.J. Wright, as I've talked about, can stay on the field. And Nickel, he would be, uh, given the current roster construction, he'd be one of the two Nickel Yep. Nickel linebackers. The other name that obviously is unlikely to be in play for the Bengals at this point, but the only tackle still out there is Daryl Williams. That's right. Daryl Williams is out there. And I didn't write him down because I figured giving $7 million to Bobby Hart is probably going to take you out of Daryl Williams' exactly. uh, sweepstakes. And that's what sucks, kind of, right? Yeah. I mean, Ty Naseki was out there, got the same deal on two years. He's older, but got the same deal as Bobby Hart and is probably He's been much better, better than Bobby Hart. He, he hasn't played a full season, and the Bengals value that experience. Because somebody, somebody asked, what is it that the Bengals value? And I would say, above anything, it's, we've talked about this. We, we talked about it yesterday. Above anything, it's, it's experience. It's staying on the field. It's playing a lot of snaps. Yep. Even, even if they're consistently bad, the Bengals like consistency. Yeah. And we're not supposed to be talking about Hart. We're supposed to be moving on and saying, and the point is they didn't have to sign Hart and Brown so quickly, uh, especially since the league year didn't even start yet. And here's Zach Brown getting released. I mean, would have presented mm-hmm. under probably a similar deal 
would present a, a significant upgrade, and especially in terms of coverage and athleticism. And you could say the same with now Daryl Williams is still out there. You could spend $2 million more, $3 million more a year and get a significantly better player at right tackle. You know what? I would really like to see or hear what the thought process was on getting those guys locked up so early because in the past, they've been willing to let these guys go test free agency. Look at like, Denard. Denard. Well, that might be a willingness thing, but Denard is an example. Tyler Eifert last year tested free agency, didn't garner the interest he thought Clint he would. Bowling. Uh, they did, they Andre Smith, another first-round guy. Hey, you're right. Yeah, Clint Bowling is another. So they, they've let guys in the past go out and test free agency, and then they kind of be like, okay, you're not getting what you thought you were going to get. Here's a deal that they, they've had some good deals. The Clint Bowling deal is outstanding. Andre Smith's second deal was pretty good. Yeah, and it, no, and George Iloka was one also. Remember, right. it was Nelson and Iloka. I don't know if you said that. I was I kind of started reading my mentions on Twitter when people are uh, <laughs> looking at the Zach Taylor and Kyler Murray picture, which is still pretty funny. But um, yeah, letting those guys test so that you know you're getting fair value, and for both sides, really, for the player and the team. Uh, that's why it was weird that they signed Hart and Brown so quickly. It's they, let them go out there and test and and. You know, I just, that is, it's still extremely odd to me that they did that. Yeah. So of the guys you've mentioned, the guys that would make me happiest are Bryce Callahan at slot corner, assuming that he somehow, I don't know why he's still out there. He's to me, he's the best slot corner on the market and he's still available and we haven't heard a peep. Of course, official free agency opens in a couple hours from the time of this recording at 4 p.m. Eastern. So maybe we'll start hearing about some of those official visits instead of these over-the-phone negotiations happening with agents during the tampering period. But Bryce Callahan, K.J. Wright, and Quentin Spain, if those guys end up Bengals, that's my pipe dream at this point. Yeah. Right, and you salvage it at this point if you can do that. Uh, You know, I would love the emphasis on offensive line. And let's say they don't. Take that $5 million that they're probably offering Eifert and put that on Spain, and I feel better, actually. And people are going to say, what? Eifert, look what he did for this offense. Well, I think they have narrowed the draft, especially in round one. Now, if they come out of with Fant or Noah Fant or TJ Hawkinson at 11, and then and because they secured what they believe is the O-line. Now, I don't believe Bobby Hart's the guy at right tackle, obviously. But if they believe they secured right guard and they have their five starters moving forward, well, then they're probably not taking that. Uh, Devin White. The closer we get, the feel I feel like he's going to be gone. So, what does that leave you with? You want to take Greedy Williams at corner, or do you want to take one of these tight ends that I feel like could be home run hitters and like Eifert is, but with the added durability? Yeah, when we talk about a tight end in the first round, we're really talking about saying we're going to actually dedicate ourselves to a rebuilding plan, and and through a rebuilding plan lens. Preston Bound and Bobby Hart can make a little bit of sense because you need guys to play right tackle. You need guys right. to play linebacker. Exactly. So you just sign these guys. They're going to play for the next couple of years while you figure out the rest of the team. And then you go and you draft Hawkinson or Fant in the first round. You draft whoever falls to you in the second round, whoever the best guy is. Say it's right. a corner that falls, you take him. And right. then the next year you, you try to, you know, you try to work out the rest of the roster. And then maybe, you know, a couple of years down the road where a lot of these cap obligations are coming off the books, you maybe then 
can can make a splash and i can't even finish the sentence make a splash in free agency the way the browns are doing with mayfield the way the rams did with uh with uh jared goff on his rookie deal the way the chiefs can build around patrick mahomes the way the seahawks did right when russell wilson was on his rookie deal and this is the window that maybe the bengals are playing for at this point and if that's the case then all of this makes a little bit of sense and then i don't want quentin spain bryce callahan and KJ Wright because they're not part of that plan. Well, I, yeah, because you want to see what Westerman can do at, at guard also. But um, you're right, and I, I it's funny because I think a few times, handful of times maybe, we have questioned this offseason, are they rebuilding or kind of hitting a soft reset? And I think these signings are a sign of rebuilding and because of those things, because you want to draft the best player. You don't want to attack needs. We've also hammered that home. We can't stress that enough. So by signing a Bobby Hart, by signing a Preston Brown, by signing C.J. Uzama, you're lessening the need to you have to draft Billy Price at 21. You know, by if they would have signed a low-end center last year, they wouldn't have had to have taken Billy Price at 21 no matter what. And that would have been a good thing because they did, obviously didn't get great value there. So – uh, and it, maybe it'll that'll turn around. I'm just saying with the evidence we have after one year, they didn't get great value. Point being, you want them to be as flexible as possible at 11 and have all options open at 11. So if it ends up being a corner, fine, because our eyes are set on 2020 and beyond anyways. If it ends up being a linebacker, great, because we can use them now, but we also still need a linebacker for the next four years. Same with right tackle, right guard defensive tackle is going to be a need in a couple of years. It's a need now, but point being is we have to look at, and it helps to look at the future needs when you can bring in a Bobby Hart and and a Preston Brown. I'm saying that seriously, that by having at least someone they believe is a starter quality player at those positions, it allows them to be more open-minded. Yeah. And, and, and when you say it that way, when you say like it's filling a need down the road, it doesn't even matter what the needs are, right? Like you're trying to just draft guys you can build around. Yeah. And Cornerstone then, players. Yeah. And then you fill in the rest later, right? So then we talked about this during the rebuilding plan. You take your William Jackson, your Joe Mixon, your Tyler Boyd, your Jesse Bates, and, and then you build around that. Yeah. Right. The, the core of their team was the last two drafts, maybe three, because, well, yeah, three, 2016 was Jackson and Boyd. Um, so the core of your team is the last three drafts. Everybody else doesn't matter. None of, Clint Bowling doesn't matter. He's on a one-year deal. Honestly, if you are in a rebuild, you should not probably consider trading him and start Christian Westerman at left guard. So uh, that's, that's where I get idea. to the – right, that's where you get to the point of, okay, where are we still? And that, while I still do have questions if it's a full rebuild, even though I've I've kind of – thrown that out there and joked about it a few times especially on Twitter uh there is a chance that that's what we're staring right at right now and then all of this is positive right like all of our criticism doesn't matter because right. then we we're, we're just we're just not privy to the plan right so then all of our right. all of our hate on the Bobby Bobby Hart contract on the Preston Brown contract which we don't really hate i think neither of us hate it kind of doesn't matter. It goes away because then it's just like, all right, well, we're, we're playing for 2020. We're playing for 2021. Yeah, and then it's it going to suck for a couple of years. But I mean, if that's the case, let's like reset our expectations, right. And get out of my mentions saying the Bengals are going to be good because Terrell Austin was the yeah. problem last year. You can't have both. You can't rebuild and reset and expect this team to also be good. You can, 
and they've tried that almost, right? The last three years, they should have hit the reset at some point. Instead, they've tried to patch holes and, and keep the keep the boat, the boat afloat, and it's been bad for them. And that's why they're in the situation they're in now where you look at the roster and you go, yikes, they got a lot of needs, not just present yeah. but future needs. Yeah. And so you don't want to do that anymore. You don't want to keep patching the hole and with with – you know, oh, well, they, they, we just need this and the Bengals can compete next year. It's No, you, you kind of need this thing to burn down and build a new boat at this point. Yeah, like say, you know, the Bengals after 2016 take a couple of years to just hit, you know, they say, you know what? We're not where we were in 2015 anymore. The guys, you know, the, the roster isn't performing up to the same level. Guys are getting older. Guys are getting hurt let's move on from a couple of these guys and just rebuild, then, you know, maybe we're not where we are today. Right. When we talked about this off air yesterday, we looked at the value of quarterback contracts. And I said, teams should really be considering a five-year window when you draft a guy. And it's really probably a four-year window when you draft a guy in the first round because you don't expect to win that rookie year. Uh, but the bank for the Bengals, it was 2015, right? The maximum their roster was in terms of talent, the coaching staff, Andy Dalton, best year, you know, fifth year at that time. Uh, and it was right before his really, his contract started to really, you know, escalate. And it's not a bad contract by any point, by any means. My point is right after we see, Marvin Jones, Muhammad Sanugo. The following year, it's Whitworth and Zeitler. And these should have been known or or at least should have been points of them saying, okay, we have reached our, our tipping point. Uh, we've missed some draft classes. We're not attracting free agents to uh, displace the free agents we're losing and, and keep this boat afloat. It's time to really look at what we have, cut our losses in a few areas, and reset and, and gear this thing up for another run. They didn't do that. They tried to keep it together, and that was my point about patching the boat. And because of it, they've delayed it three years and have have wasted prime years of, like we said, the cutoff point for what the core of their roster is, 2016 and beyond. They wasted the years of some of those guys that would have been in prime position to win, and now guys we're not really considering the core. While they are right now, they're not the core of the future. Yeah. So it's a shame, right? You, you hear a lot of NFL analysts around the league say, you know, they're really wasting that roster. We've heard that for the last five years because there is a lot of talent on the Cincinnati roster. And it's just that those guys are getting up there in age. And, and so it's hard to see it all coming together in 2019. But there is some hope there, I think, that this is a rebuild plan, that there is, in fact, a plan that so, is the hope, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so far, I think a lot of our criticism has been like, what what's are you the doing? What's this doesn't on? make any sense. But maybe this is a plan. And so we're trying to bring to light here a little sliver of hope at the end of the podcast that there is a plan. And it just is a little more complicated than we can see in the immediate future. And it might not be pretty. <laughs> it might not be pretty. But if you come out the other side with hope, with confidence, with a chance to actually win. Same way Buffalo and and Cleveland are doing right now, right? Great comparisons of downtrodden cities and teams and franchises for a long time. And they've lost consistently, and they've drafted quarterbacks, and they've missed. But now they both feel they've got their guy, so they're spending in free agency. They're making trades. They're inquiring about Antonio Brown. The other one got Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, that's what we're envious of that. It may not amount to anything. Those Either of those teams may not win. Only one of those quarterbacks may end up being good. I think it's Baker Mayfield. But point being, 
they have hope. I am envious of the feeling that fan base has right now, whether or not it amounts to wins, because I know what the Bengals have done and our feelings towards them has not amounted to what we want. Yeah. So there is some hope for the future. The Bengals just maybe are in a down part of the cycle and we aren't aware of what their plan is yet. They don't tell us and they're never going to admit this is a rebuilding year for us. We'll see where we end up in a couple of years. They're never going to say that they're going to try to win every year. So that I think is another way to look at the long-term outlook for this offseason, maybe getting worked up about Bobby Hart isn't worth the energy. And this is all part of a plan that we're not aware of. So that's been the Lockdown Bengals podcast for today. There's a little bit of hope for you. If you're listening to this and we haven't recorded the mailbag yet, remember to get your questions in. The Lockdown Bengals account will tweet out a solicitation for questions. Joe and I will retweet it. Make sure you reply to that parent thread at Lockdown Bengals so we keep all the questions in the same place. For Joe, I'm Jake. Have a good one, Bengals fans. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.